0: Do you remember the late 1990s? Now, I know looking at some of you, obviously not, weren't even born then. But some of you, I expect, remember the late 1990s? There was a song around, things can only get better. And there was a feeling around that things would just keep getting better. Very positive time in Britain. Things will just keep getting better. Things can only get better. Does it feel like that now? Oh, boy, we seem to live in a really pessimistic time, don't we? There's not many people singing things could only get better now, I don't think. There's not much confidence in our leaders. You think the new Prime Minister's going to sort it all out? Well, I think whatever our politics, we probably don't. Not much confidence in our leaders. Not much positivity about the United Kingdom at the moment. So is there a leader we can be confident in? Is there a kingdom we can be positive about and hopeful about its future? Well, you'll get the answer this morning. We've been going through what's called the Lord's Prayer. You'll find it in Matthew chapter 6 if you'd like to turn to that. Matthew chapter 6. Sorry, I haven't got the page numbers for that. 102.2, I'm told, if you've got a church Bible in the English Bibles. Matthew chapter 6. But actually, there's only one little phrase from it we're going to be looking at this morning. Because we've been going through what's called the Lord's Prayer. Because it was taught by the Lord Jesus to his disciples to pray. And it starts, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. We have heard so far in this series that the key to prayer is knowing we are praying to our Father in heaven. That is the most important thing about prayer. You don't need to go off on a series of conferences and learn a lot of complicated things about praying. The key is to know you are speaking to your Father in heaven, which of course first means he needs to be your Father in heaven, which only happens if you're trusting in Jesus Christ. We then heard our first priority in prayer must be, hallowed be your name. In other words, may your name, your character and who you are be treated as holy and to be honoured. And today we come to the third phrase in the prayer, your kingdom come. So if you haven't managed to find Matthew 6 verse 9, don't worry because it's just three words we're looking at from that chapter. Your kingdom come. My aim is that we understand what we are praying for when we pray your kingdom come. And my aim is to, to make us motivated and keen to pray your kingdom come. I'm going to try to do that in two sections. First of all, what is God's kingdom and when does it come? Your kingdom come, well, when does it come and what is it? And the second section, well, what are we praying for when we pray Your kingdom come. So, first of all, what is God's kingdom and when does it come? And some of you may recognize this is a massive subject that I'm going to have to just skate across really quickly. So, let's begin by thinking about kingdoms generally. What is a kingdom? Maybe we are helped by living in the United Kingdom. So, let's have a think about that. What does it mean, kingdom? Let's have a picture. First of all, most obvious thing, a kingdom is ruled by a king, or in our case, a queen. Now, I know for us, the queen is really a figurehead, and she doesn't make the laws, and you don't have to do anything that she says, but being in a kingdom, generally in the past, meant there's a king, and if you're in the kingdom, you've got an obligation to obey, and you've got a benefit, because if the king is any good, he should care for you protect you, maybe even to a certain extent provide for you. A kingdom has a king. Let's have a second picture. A kingdom also means a clear group of people. It needs to be clear who are the people who are ruled by that king and that the king has an obligation to care for. Let's have another picture. A kingdom means a place, a place where the king rules and The people are cared for by him. Where they're under his care. Kingdom, what does it mean? A king over a people in a place. Remember that? That's our general pattern for a kingdom. A king over a people in a place. Okay. Now, having had that general description of a kingdom, let's have a look into the Bible. What is the kingdom of God like? We're going to, I'm going to try to take you across the whole Bible. So you can recognize I'm going to have to be quick to see what is God's kingdom and when does it come? If some of you have probably read this book by a chap called Vaughn Roberts called God's Big Picture. Very good book. If you've read it, you'll recognize that I've got most of this from his book. But you'll also see I've changed some of it as it goes along. I don't think improved it. I just changed it. So, the Bible begins with a perfect world made by God in Genesis 1 and 2. We could call it the pattern of the kingdom. Because it shows what God's kingdom should be like. You find they're God's people, Adam and Eve. They're in God's place, the Garden of Eden. And they are obeying God's rule and cared for by him. Do you see that fits? The description of a kingdom, God's people in God's place under his rule and enjoying his care. It was the pattern of the kingdom. But sadly, it doesn't last long. And even by the third chapter of the Bible, we've got to the kingdom that perishes. Because as we heard in the children's talk, which was really all about this, Adam and Eve shook their fist at God and said, we won't have your rule. And as they reject his rule, they also lose his care. they are thrown out of his place and they cease to be his people. Do you see all of those ingredients of the kingdom perish. and the rest of the Bible is the story of how will God's kingdom come back? And the rest of the Old Testament is pointing forward to how God's kingdom will come back. And so I'm now going to take. The rest of the Old Testament is is one section, in a sense. You see, you find in the Old Testament promises. God makes promises about a kingdom. So, for example, there was a man called Abraham, and God promised him, Abraham, your family are going to be my people, under my care, and in a land I'm going to give them. Do You see, following the pattern of God's kingdom and that happened abraham's family became the kingdom of israel in a land god gave them under his care ruled by a king he gave and it was good but not good enough that's why i hope it says up there oh it doesn't it should say up there the partial kingdom we're on to the partial kingdom it was just a partial kingdom it wasn't yet the complete thing do you know where we are josh Next one. And next one. That's where we are. Right. That's where we are. The partial kingdom. But it was only partial. The full thing was yet to come. And so it was like a picture pointing forward to the completed kingdom. And so there were prophecies telling about how it was going to be better and completed. Prophecies that God would send a king. And that king would bring in God's kingdom. This king would rule not just Israel, but across the world. And his people would not just be the family of Abraham, but God would give him a people from all the nations of the world, and he would care for them. Care for them so much he was going to die for them and give his life for them. And he'd rule over them. Do you see again the pattern of the kingdom? But this time through a coming king. We read about very This morning, Psalm 2, was a prophecy of the coming king and his kingdom. But next we have, jumping right forward into the New Testament, the present kingdom. Let's have the present kingdom. Now, two weeks ago, someone in my family started asking, how long is it till Christmas? How many days till Christmas? And started the countdown and said, oh, it's not too far off. Well, actually, it's quite a long way off. Children, any of you started counting down yet? It started in my family. That's going to be a long countdown. Do any of you have an Advent calendar? I don't mean now in August, but when it gets to December. And do you like to count down to Christmas? And then eventually you get up on the 25th of December, maybe at 4 a.m., the day has come. At last, after all that waiting and all that counting down. Well, all of history across Old Testament time was like a giant Advent calendar, counting down the years, waiting for when is this kingdom going to come? And then you get to Mark chapter 1, verse 15. And a not very well-known carpenter from Nazareth called Jesus makes this tremendous announcement. He says, the time has come. Not after waiting days for Christmas, but after waiting centuries for the kingdom. He says, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. Have you yet? He said that 2,000 years ago. Have you yet repented and believed the good news because the kingdom has come? If you haven't, you're 2,000 years out of date. Have you repented? In other words, turned from doing what we heard in the children's talk, I'm the king around here, to actually the king Jesus has come. Have you believed the good news? It is such good news that he is king. What other king is like him? He came not to be served, get on your knees servant, no, but to serve and give his life to pay for our sins. Have you yet turned I believe the good news. The kingdom had come. And that Jesus could announce that because he was the king who had come. And that leads into our time in history. Let's have the next box. It is the progressing kingdom. The progressing kingdom. In the book of Acts, we read Jesus instructing his disciples. We read it in Acts chapter 1. Instructing his disciples, go and tell people about him. And he said, go and tell people about me, starting in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then to the ends of the earth. Now, you might not know, I don't know how your geography is, but if you don't know the geography of those places exactly, think like this. Think of a stone dropped into a pond. What do you then see? Circles spreading out across the pond and getting bigger. It's as if Jesus was that stone dropped into this earth. And then there are these circles spreading out. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and eventually to the ends of the earth. And that's what's happened. The kingdom of God progresses across the world as Jesus and his good news are preached. Notice the method. Notice the method. Some people are unclear on this. The method is not making hospitals and schools and campaigning against slavery and child abuse, those things have followed from his kingdom. They have followed as his kingdom has spread, but they don't cause his kingdom to spread. They're not the method. The method is preaching Jesus and his good news. And that has been done. And the circles have spread and spread and spread until... Well, try to picture in your mind some of the churches meeting today across the world can you picture in your mind people meeting in towns and villages in Nigeria people meeting in secret in Iran people meeting in churches thousands strong in Hong Kong people meeting in auditoriums in the USA people meeting in fear of bombardment in Ukraine can you can you picture it The kingdom has grown and grown. The circles have spread and spread. We live in the age of the progressing kingdom. Until eventually you get, one day we'll get to, last box, the perfected kingdom. How does the Bible end? When Jesus returns and the world will be made new. And it's like the Garden of Eden restored. And there God will be with his people who will obey his rule fully and enjoy his care fully. Do you see the pattern of the kingdom perfected? That's why we read Revelation 11. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. And did you get the bit about the tabernacle of God being opened? In other words, the presence of God being available to everyone. But did you also notice Revelation 11 said, and not everyone is in that kingdom? There are people who've resisted the king and therefore are destroyed. Will you be one of them? Or have you yet turned and believed the good news? So when does the kingdom of God come? Have you remembered this is all about the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come. When does the kingdom of God come? It has, because the king has come. It is now because the kingdom is progressing and it will when the king returns. That was a very hasty overview of the kingdom of God in the Bible. So when we pray your kingdom come, what are we praying for? I now want to go through what are we praying for and encourage you to pray it, to pray your kingdom come. What are we praying for? The first and most obvious thing is for Jesus Christ to be made known. We're in the era of the kingdom progressing, and we've heard that is done by Jesus and his good news being made known. Well, there are still an awful lot of people who haven't heard. There are an awful lot of people in this world, probably all of them have heard the name Jesus, but they haven't really got a clue who he is. Why does the world keep going? Have you ever thought about that? Why does the world keep going? Children, I wonder what your answer would be. Why does the world keep going? Well, some of you, if you're scientific, might say, because a big enough meteor hasn't yet hit us and wiped us out. Or some of you might say, because the sun hasn't yet died, and that will bring it all to an end. But actually, the reason is because there are still people who haven't heard the good news Of Jesus. People groups, I should say. Jesus said this himself. I'll read you a verse from Matthew 24. Matthew 24, Jesus said, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. That's why the world keeps going, because there's still a job to do. He says, His good news about his kingdom has got to go to all nations and then the end will come. Well, you might think actually it has gone to all nations already. But no, Jesus was using the word nations in a different way from us. He didn't mean France or Chad or Australia. The word nations back then, they didn't have nation states in the same way as us. It meant ethnic groups. His good news of his kingdom must go to and be accepted by every ethnic group in the world. I'll give an example. We here support Jonathan and Naomi Robinson They're from Shepshed and they've gone to Senegal. Now, they've gone to take the gospel there, but there are Christians and churches in Senegal already. But there's an ethnic group in the south of Senegal. That is unreached, where either no one or almost no one is a Christian and knows the good news of Jesus. And so Jonathan and Naomi Robinson are going to that group because there is, in the terms of Jesus, a nation that must be reached before he returns. So praying your kingdom come includes praying for God to send people like Jonathan and Naomi. It includes praying for Jesus to be made known in these unreached people groups. Parents here, here's something that might help you with this. Uh, Josh, can we have, I think there's a picture to go on the screen. There's a book I came across this summer, Windows on the World, Window on the World. And some of you will know the book Operation World, which is about praying for the whole world. This is a children's version. Parents, you could use this with your children. I hope you do read the Bible and pray with them. How about using this to go through and learn about some of the parts of the world that haven't yet received the gospel, some of the people groups who are yet to discover Jesus? And so that could be your way of praying your kingdom come. But it it isn't just praying for Jesus to be made known. Here's the second thing that we're praying. We're praying for people to bow to Jesus as king. Just hearing and knowing isn't good enough. For the kingdom to grow, people have got to bow to him as king. Children, I hope you know this, that being a Christian doesn't just mean knowing Jesus is king. Most of you are really well taught. That's great. But that doesn't make you a Christian, knowing and understanding the Bible and being able to answer the questions. Being a Christian means living with Jesus as your king. It means life becomes about not what do I want, but what does he want? Fellow Christians, what then should we pray for? What does that mean we should pray for? The work of the Holy Spirit. That's what we should pray for, the work of the Holy Spirit. He opens people's eyes to see who Jesus is. He changes people's hearts. So they want him instead of rejecting him. Your kingdom come means we're praying for Jesus to be made known, for people to bow to him as king. And then here's a third thing for the church to be a better. I'm going to call it cultural outpost of the kingdom of God. The church to be a better cultural outpost of the kingdom of God. What do I mean? A bit like this. When we were first married, Lou and I lived just outside Southall, just on the edge of Southall in London. Now, Southall's an interesting place. It has more Sikhs than anywhere in the world apart from the Punjab. That's It's a very Indian place. The shops are different, the clothes are different, the food is different. It's like a cultural outpost of India, but in London, in England. And that's what the church should be like. It's in this world with all its sin, but it should be like a cultural outpost of the kingdom of God. It should have something of the culture of heaven, even though it's not in heaven. What culture should the church have? Well, I hope you can think of that. I hope top of your list would be love, care for the needy, holiness, sacrificial giving. Confidence that we have an approach to the family and morality that is so much better than the world and that the world needs. And your list could go on. God's kingdom is good for the world. I said earlier, it doesn't spread by setting up hospitals and schools and campaigning against slavery and child abuse. But those things have tended to follow on the heels of the kingdom of God. They're not the method, but they've tended to follow. When the church has been a clear outpost of the kingdom of God, it's been good for the world. Think of the Roman Empire and the church there rescuing unwanted babies who were left to die by a culture that didn't want them, especially if they were female. Think of the church in the 1800s campaigning against slavery. Now, even Matthew Paris recognises this. Do you know who Matthew Paris is? He was a politician, he currently writes in newspapers, and he's an atheist. And he says this doesn't make sense to him, and it doesn't fit with his view of the world. But he lived in Africa for a while, and he says he noticed that Christianity changed people. And that change was good for communities. And it did more good than the charities and the NGOs. And he says, I don't believe in God. This doesn't fit in my way of thinking about the world, but I've seen it happen. Wow. The kingdom of God is good for the world. One last thing. What else are we praying for? When we pray your kingdom come, we're praying make Jesus known. People bow to him. Us be a better cultural outpost of the kingdom. And lastly, for the kingdom to be completed. Now let's think about it like this. Are you praying for the war in Ukraine to stop? I hope so. God can stop it. But as I pray for that, I remember there's war in Syria and Yemen. And there are people oppressed in Afghanistan and persecuted in North Korea and in dire poverty in so many parts of the world suffering and people addicted to drugs and children being abused. And I feel like saying, God, stop it all. Stop all the suffering. May it never happen again. And that's only going to happen when? When Jesus returns. Yes, we do please keep praying for the war in Ukraine to stop. And God can do it. But do also recognize that this is a world of suffering and trouble until Jesus returns. And it's only then that God's name will be hallowed fully. And his kingdom will come completely. And his will will be done on earth, on a renewed earth, just as it is currently in heaven. And his people, his poor people, including those ones in Pakistan now, suffering from floods, will, will each day have their daily bread. And will never be led into temptation. And will certainly be delivered from the evil one because he will be banished to where he belongs. Do you want Jesus to come back soon? I was thinking we ought to be a a Pentecostal or African church at this moment and hear something (laughs) loud. Do you pray for Jesus to come back soon? Would it be the culmination of all your desires and prayers? That's a genuine question that you must ask yourself. Do you pray for Jesus to come back soon? I know some of us, Think, what about those ones I love who haven't yet bowed to him? What will it mean for them? And so it should add that urgency to our prayers and our attempts to tell them the gospel. But it shouldn't stop this. Jesus, come back soon. Well, I've given you a very hasty look at the massive subject of the kingdom of God. Now, we all need to work at praying. Will you work at regularly praying your kingdom come. Let's pray now.